Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today we are starting a new series on our podcast called Being With where we're talking about what it looks like to bring the doing side of ourselves into balance with our being side. And so to flesh that out a little bit, many of us, we spend a lot of time doing things for others, doing things for God and all the rest. And we've learned this art of doing very well for most of us in many instances. And Just to say up front, that side of us is definitely a meaningful part of who we are. We're not looking to downplay the goodness that comes from that part of ourselves. But for this particular series, we're taking some time to explore what it might look like to bring that doing side of us into balance with the being side. And in fact, there's a saying that we've even highlighted here on the podcast multiple times. We are human beings not human doings. And so it's probably also worth noting that the opposite extreme can be true where we might overemphasize the being aspect of ourselves. But certainly as we come into this month of December, for many, this is one of the busiest seasons for us, full of holidays, full of responsibilities. And even if we're being encouraged to spend time with the divine and how the divine is being with us, We often find ourselves running around all of these large to-do lists that keep us from enjoying whatever the benefits might be of just getting to be with. So we thought, what better time to unpack this topic? As I say these things today, I'm wondering what comes to mind for the two of you. I appreciate that we're talking about this because it seems like I've been in several conversations lately around this idea of what does it mean to be with and the desire but the struggle. But what immediately comes to mind in this topic today is actually a story from my freshman year of high school. And at that time in my life, I was really trying to consider what it would look like to have a more meaningful relationship with God as a background. But I was in an advanced math class with a couple of other freshmen, but primarily upperclassmen. And I remember there was this really smart freshman guy named Tim. And when we were in class, all of the really popular kind of athletic kids would befriend him and want to sit by him in class. And it was primarily to get the answers and to get help with homework and on their tests. And then I began to notice outside of class, no one gave Tim the time of day. Tim was often sitting by himself at the lunch table alone during the breaks, and nobody would even talk to Tim in the hallways. But as soon as we stepped foot in that class, it was like Tim was the best friend that everybody wanted. And I was watching this unfold and just felt this sense in my spirit of, Christina, in which ways are you maybe exemplifying this in your relationship with me in the same ways that these upperclassmen are ignoring Tim until it's time for the answers? In what ways might you be doing that with me? And it really hit me hard. And I recognized that at least at that point in my life, my relationship with God was quite transactional rather than a connection point. And I was going to God for guidance and and good things, right? I wanted to involve God in my life, but it was a lot of it was just to seek answers and to get the goods from God, but not to necessarily be with God as a backdrop. And that was really formative and shifted the rest of my high school years and the ways in which I pursued my relationship with God. And so again, just super helpful that 
we're bringing this topic up today. And I think it's an important thing to explore together. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is an important thing to explore together. I think the thing that comes up for me whenever we talk about being with versus doing or being beings, human beings versus human doings, I had a seminary professor who would say in our spiritual formation class, the most important person is the person that is right in front of you. And the most important time is now. And I think for many Americans or Westerners in general, the thing that we like to do is we like to do, we like to help, we like to fix. And so a story that, that brings us home for those that don't know, there's a national bus driver shortage and I happen to have my CDL. And so I help a school district out a few times a week in the mornings. And I was driving these high schoolers to school. And one of them was talking about openly talking about his therapy and how it's going and some of his issues. And he was talking about his dad and his dad, he's saying that his dad is relegating the task of listening to the therapist and doesn't want to engage in the stickier points of life with his son. And now that's just irking this high school student, rightly so. And I just thought, oh, wow, that just brings it home. Like the challenging things, the difficult things of when we don't know how to fix, we don't know how to do something for others, just being with can seem too simplistic or not enough. And yet this high school student was essentially saying that was my craving. I just want my dad to just listen, not to try to fix me, but just to know without fixing what's going on. So I think that's the story that emerges for me. These are great stories. I'm so thankful for them. They help me to connect with some realities. Like as you were talking, Christina, I think about stages of life. And again, we can't really despise a stage of life that we're in, right? If that's the moment. But it's funny, I, I was at a residential recently and I brought a lot of snacks because someone had said, we don't know if there will be enough food or the right foods for people with different needs. And I have this gluten thing and so I brought all of this food. And I wasn't that worried about whether or not people ate it because I can always bring it home and the kids need snacks all the time. So it's no big deal. But my friend was, she asked a question. She said, so are you a self-preservation type? And I was like, no, like I like I round all of the types, but then I gave it more thought. I was like, yes, I do have a lot of self-preservation behavior. And so if I think back to a couple of decades ago, almost more than that now, yeah, there was a lot of engagement with God, like you're talking about with your friend in high school, where I wanted God to exist as this preservation, the rescuer, savior. And that was fine. I have reflected on for that time. It provided a safety that I needed given all the other aspects of my story. But when I think about how life has progressed and the stages and development, and I think, oh yeah, it just didn't stand the test of time for that to be all that there was. And so what stands out more now I think is the moments where I feel like, oh, there's been some resonating with this notion of you're enough just as you are like, without having done a thing, 
without either of us doing a thing. Just being together is enough. And how that can just melt me in a very particular way because of spending so much time in that doing space. You don't have to do all this to be loved or uh, successful or any of that. And that wasn't the message that I was always receiving. And that has felt like a more lasting message than I need to go to God to get. That sounds so freeing, just even hearing you describe that. And Krista, pull some of your terms of it's simple, right? That craving of the dad listening. It's just, it's a simple presence that I think we deeply want and need and desire. And Christina, as I listen to you, what comes to mind is a retreat years ago where we were offered multiple different names of God that that shows up in, in the texts. And just a beautiful acknowledgement of sort of you naming at this particular stage of my life that savior piece really was important or the preservation piece. And then maybe going along later in life, the wisdom piece of God or the peace of God or whatever it is. And the beauty that there's so many different ways that God desires to be with us that he's not even contained in one name or one image, or there's these opportunities where, you know, we can connect to the divine being in so many different aspects. And we'll get into that more as the podcast rolls on in subsequent weeks. But at least for today, just to mention this idea that I think being with recognizes that's our deepest need and the difficulty sometimes of getting to that because we are used to the the quick and the fixing and the all of those sorts of things and just the way in which divine meets us in that. And it's okay if we get it wrong sometimes. It's okay that it's okay that as a freshman in high school, I wasn't going to God just for God. I was going to God for stuff. God wasn't mad at me. It wasn't like, you're such a jerk, Christina. And look at you. It was like, hey, maybe there's some more, an invitation to maybe explore that, which I was really thankful for that gentle nudge in that particular moment of my time. Yeah, I really appreciate both of the ways in which you guys are sharing. Christina Kaiser, that just hits me in the heart, like you're enough as it is. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I think one of the things that comes to me as I think about, we're talking about our life seasons that we go through and thinking in my latter where I'm at right now versus where I was at when I was younger. And what are the, what are the ingredients that are helpful for the being with in contrast to doing for, and I would say right now, the one word that, that comes to me is humility. I think humility is that vulnerable space that says, maybe you don't know the right thing to say or the, the right thing to do, but I'm just here present in the moment. And so for me, who I, I love to serve, that is one of my gifts that I, it's one of my love languages is acts of service. That's how I bless people. That's how I show people I love them. But there's a nuance to knowing what people need in the moment, right? And I think my relationship with God has really helped me understand that I, I don't think God necessarily needs me to do anything for him. That isn't going to enrich him in any way. And I think the same can be said of uh, these other spiritual beings that I rub up against on a daily basis. Like I don't know that they necessarily need me to do anything for them. I'm sure they appreciate some of it, but how do I offer presence? How do I offer just my presence? And sometimes that's even just in silence, just sitting. I, I love to just, my kids are reading on the couch and I come and sit next to them and, and put my hand on them. And I don't have to say anything, but what kind of weight, what kind of lasting 
impression is that giving them, just offering that being present in the moment without, without saying anything or doing anything for them. Yeah, that reminds me of something I've been thinking about lately around flow. We often talk about flow as a really good thing. Oh, we want to be in the flow. <laughs> but I think that I can observe a couple of different flows that I can be in, right? And the one is very maybe ego or me driven. It's very busy. It's very full of agenda. And when I pause and we have this Monday group that meets for like just 20 minutes every Monday. and it often helps me and the others in the group align. Oh, yeah, what do I want? What is my intention when I want to be with people? So even just yesterday, I found myself drawing this wave on the paper. Go slowly, go gently, be able to see and reflect preciousness, reconnect with value. Without that pause to be, the doing is a little frantic. It's a different flow, not the flow that I really want. I think it's helpful that we're naming being with ourselves in some ways of what does it mean for me to tend to the ego or the franticness or the pace? What does it mean to be with others in sharing presence and not necessarily trying to fix? And then that aspect of being with God and really that that your enoughness that we can get only from being with him. And so I, again, just highlighting and appreciating the, the different aspects that we're discussing on the podcast today. Yeah, because again, coming back to what we talked about earlier, the doing isn't a problem, right? And I think what Chris was saying before is, oh, that's one of my love languages. Of course, doing is important. It's just where and how does it come, right? And I feel like there is this way in which the doing can, and I think, Chris, you were talking about this so beautifully in your example, it comes out as a natural result of the love poured in, right? The love it, it fills and it swirls and it moves and it naturally then flows out, which is different from this kind of exhausting experience that we can get without that time to be with. So I thank both of you as we start going in this series in our podcast. And now is the moment in our podcast where we take some time to talk about what we are into. So tell me, what are you into today? I am into the New York Times game connections. And I know Wordle was all the rage last year or whenever it was. And I do Wordle, but it's this new thing where it sort of groups different types of categories of words together. And I've just really been enjoying that different fresh take on the daily puzzle. So I am into the New York Times connections. As Christina is smiling, I think you like word puzzles too. I am into training my AI uh, to reflect who I am in some of my searches and I'm finding it quite difficult of tweaking it and getting it and somewhat it's insulting. It's treating me like I'm a, a, a teenager. So I'm using bigger words now to try to get it to, to fit me and who I am. So that's been a, a fun little project. So training my AI has been what I've been into. Wow. So first, yes, I love the new connections games and I have not tried to train a single AI, so I am in awe of your process. That's pretty exciting. I think I need to be into two things because the first thing is that this is episode 150. That is a beautiful round number that one must celebrate. One cannot just go past it. Uh, so I am first into that. That is number one. And then secondly, we have been into finding recipes from Nepal and 
making some Nepalese food. We have some neighbors that live kind of kitty corner across the street from us, and we've been sharing food. And so I've been looking for actual authentic spices and such, and then recipes that will feel like they that will feel like home to them. And it's just been this giddy, fun, exciting thing to do. So that's what I'm into. Is dal one of those things that you're making? Dal can be, yes. Yeah. So I made a, the recipe was called kakrim mak, or kakura makrim, which I think is chicken with cream. And tonight I'm doing a beef curry of some kind, but they have special names. And so I am learning all of that. Yum. Well, thank you everyone for being with us. It is good to be with you and we'll look forward to being together again soon. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.